This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Total Saints podcast. If you love passionate and intelligent chat, well, certainly passionate anyway, about Southampton Football Club, then you're in the right place. Yes, after yet another international break, club action returns this coming week as Saints prepare to take on Wolverhampton Wanderers. To help me navigate some form of preview on that, it's our regular three amigos, Steve, Glenn and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Steve, I don't think there's another international break until March 2021 now, but you're still very much on international break of your own over there in Dubai. How's things going and uh, what have you been up to? Oh, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> terrible with the uh, 30, 30 degree heat and being able to chill chill by the pool uh, whenever whenever it suits me. No, it's it's, it's great out here. Um, and yeah, exactly what I needed in terms of sort of I mean, fairly brazen lockdown avoidance. And I mean, I had some uh, had some vouchers for Emirates to use up, so I thought, well, I might might as well might as well go for it. I don't know, don't know when I'm next going to be able to use them. So um, yeah, it's uh, no, it's, it's very pleasant out here let's let's say that much good and it won't have escaped our listeners attention that you've clearly spent some time on your uh, internet connection this week as well because we're no longer having to ring uh, odd women in the middle of uh, dubai we're now getting steve through a much clearer line so hopefully that's good for everyone particularly uh, alex who will be editing um from dubai of the middle east to the dubai of southampton well i'm sure there are lots of similarities with hedge and glenn how's life there yep yeah, very good, thanks. Um, well, I say that. You say that as a, as a sort of default reaction, don't you? Yeah, everything's great. No, it's boring. It's boring. <laughs> everything's boring and dull, and it's exactly the same as last week and the week before. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, bear enough, okay. Good. It's all right. And one thing that hasn't been boring, Glenn, it's been your birthday this week, so big happy birthday. How was that? Rock and roll, I imagine, as well? 
Rock and roll, yeah. As I said uh, to you before we started, didn't didn't go clubbing like I normally do. No, that that's um that's a big horrible lie. Um, I'm too old for all that rubbish. I'm uh, I was 50, on a Saturday night. I was fi- I was 52, so 52. that's uh, that's old, and I've got a collection of uh, old man stuff yeah. as presents, which is kind of telling you something when you get slippers and a heated mat. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the pièce de résistance was some uh, some flash scales so I could measure sort of what my body fat is. Who who knew you could be over 100%? Who knew that? <laughs> I know. One, one, yeah, one disappointing thing is you have just ruined my joke because I was just about to move on to Saints turning 135 and I wasn't going to get everyone to guess which one of these two people, Glenda LaCour or Southampton Football Club, were 135 and now you told everyone that uh, you're 52. You've ruined that joke, so thanks. But, uh, yeah, speaking of birthdays, uh, it's... Uh, Saints have also been enjoying a uh, birthday of their own this weekend because, of course, they were founded on the 21st of November 1885, meaning they were officially 135 years old. So, of course, many happy returns to our great club on that milestone. Dan, obviously good to have you back as well. Uh, a bit like Frank Lampard's Derby County, I was thinking, that I know Steve always used to go on. I always feel like we call you the Athletics Dan Sheldon when introducing you. But uh, how was your holiday, Dan? Largely uh, locked down, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, of course, lockdown. But it's still nice to, you know, as I sort of mentioned before, you know, still nice to switch off a bit and not have to be on the phone so much and, you know, get out. Of course, I walk the dogs every day anyway, but, you know, get out and take them on a bit of a longer walk. And, you know, my girlfriend was off at the same time, so it was good to spend a bit of time with her. So, yeah, all, all in all, really good. Thank you. Yeah. How many, right, let's let's get to know the Dan Sheldon here. How many dogs have you got, Dan? What are they called and what type are they? Uh, we have two, um, two Cocker Spaniels, a uh, golden one and a, uh, uh, brown cocker spaniel. Uh, the boy is called Bentley. Uh, he's the brown cocker spaniel, and the girl, she's uh, just turned one. She's called Willow. Willow, nice. All right, brilliant. And uh, obviously, you came back with a, a bang this week because there was a fantastic piece in the Athletic for anyone that hasn't uh, read it yet. And obviously, you can subscribe if you want to. A brilliant interview with Matt Crocker. So, how was it uh, catching up with him, Dan? Yeah, yeah, that's the first time I've spoken to him. So, you know, I think that's his, the first interview he's done since he sort of come into the club at the start of the year and. You know, I was thoroughly impressed, you know, as I again, as I kind of mentioned to you guys just before, you know, you can tell he just breathes enthusiasm and, you know, you just got to look at his track record at what he did as, you know, at Cardiff. If you go back all the way to the beginning at Cardiff, where, you know, they were just a basic kind of youth program. He turned them into a fully fledged academy, came to Southampton as their academy manager in 2006, left in 2013. And, you know, look at that team in sort of 2013 and the players that had come through. When he was there, you know, it was impressive. Went to the FA, look at the success that, you know, the teams that he was in sort of overseeing, the development there, you know, the coaches, the players, you know, they all had great success. And now he's back at Southampton in his first kind of director of football role. And yeah, he just, you can't not be impressed with what he's got to say, the way he delivers the message. You know, he was happy to be asked anything, which is great. Nothing was kind of off limits. And yeah, really just impressed by him. And you sometimes you come away from interviews and you think oh but you know that's just another the run of the mill one but with him i just thought no you know i was i was very impressed with you know how he was and what he was like as a person and you just get the sense there's another step in the the sort of the right direction for the club you know he's another good person to be at the club clearly knows what the, the his remit is um you know he's all over it it's yeah good guy good guy Brilliant. Well, well done. And uh, yeah, it was a fantastic read. And uh, as I say, if anyone hasn't read it yet, you can uh, follow Dan's work on the Athletic site. Uh, subscribe and uh, you'll be able to give it a read. Um, anyway, it's good to have the band back together again. Uh, it is, of course, the start of an eight-game run for Saints through until the end of the year now. So a busy period. 
That starts with the trip up to Wolves this Monday, so we'll be previewing that in this episode. We'll also have our latest TSP International Supporters Club as Jermund Vic joins me to talk about the Norwegian Saints, so look out for that a little later on. Before we get going, a few intimations to share ahead of that passionate, intelligent chat I was just talking about. Firstly, a big thank you to Penny Cotton, Julie West and Trevor from Global Saints for becoming our latest TSP patrons via patreon.com slash total saints podcast we really appreciate your support of tsp and it takes us to 94 of you now around the world underpinning our pod which we're truly grateful for so thank you penny thank you julie and thank you global saints the saints foundation have also been in touch this week regarding their hopes of generating ten thousand pounds during november and december in order to continue their vital support for older adults in southampton into 2021 one of the incentives for you to help support is a raffle that's taking place which will see the winner enjoy a christmas lunch with saints legends matt letizia and franny benali to find out more about that and or donate and enter please visit wishio.io slash events slash saints. So that's wishio.io slash events slash saints. As always, general information on the Saints Foundation, their incredible work, etc., etc., and how you can support them can also be found at southamptonfc.com slash saints hyphen foundation just want to also mention because it's been a great week for the saints foundation congratulations to them as well because they picked up a gold medal for the best foundation at the 2020 corporate engagement awards so very much uh, well done to greg and the whole team right nearly there the last one next up is the saints dsa the disabled supporters association at saints dsa underscore 2010 on twitter as you may have seen to help celebrate their 10th anniversary they are planning to create a large banner to display it to the staplewood training complex which will say we miss you for the players and staff to see but with the we miss you made of fans photos so again if you'd like to donate to the dsa's great work and get your photo on that banner please go to saintsdsa.org.uk for all the details that's saintsdsa.org.uk .org.uk. And that concludes our various announcements for this week, all very worthwhile for the brief time they take of course. Let's get on with it, underpinned by our TSP patrons. This is TSP 137. This is the Total Saints Podcast with Ben Stanfield, Steve Grant, Glenn Delacour and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. Saints start a run of eight games leading up to the end of 2020 with a Monday night visit to Molyneux facing Wolves. Um, Dan, what have you made so far of Wolves this season? Played eight, won four, drawn one, lost three, scored eight, conceded nine, 13 points and ninth place heading into the game. Yeah, they, they they certainly look a little bit hit and miss. I think their last game they lost to Leicester one 0 didn't they? I think if I if I remember rightly. You're correct. Uh, go, going into the season, I thought again they'd be there or thereabouts. They've obviously got a very good manager. Yeah, some of the players they've got are exceptional. But I think they played so many games last season. I think it was almost impossible for them to start well this season, given like you know the short break straight into this season and international like a lot they've also got a lot of internationals all of them they all disappear so yeah i mean you know it's been an indifferent start but they're still on what 13 points or, or around That's that right, kind yep. of figure so you know they're good enough that you know you still would you wouldn't go to them and think there's going to be an easy game it's not going to be an easy game by any stretch of imagination so yeah i think it ultimately they're they're only going to go they're only going to get better or i'd like to think they're only going to get better uh as a sort of season goes on so yeah, very, very. Wary. I'd be very wary of them. Um, the attacking threats they've got, 
and we all know they're going to come good. So let's just not let's hope it's not tomorrow night or tonight, should I say, as this is going out tomorrow. Yeah, um, Steve, this is only Wolves' third season back in the Premier League, but it already kind of feels like they're a more than established side, as Dan's pretty much said there, constantly looking up really rather than down. Yeah, it's quite it's quite handy having. Um convenient links to um, super agents <laughs> I isn't wonder it? how long that um, would take yeah. <laughs> am- 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 amazing how much progress you can make in such a short space of time when you've got, got those sort of links that other clubs simply don't don't have the benefit of and I mean fair play to them they've, they've absolutely um, made the most of it in terms of the, the quality of player that they've been, been able to bring in to the club I mean I don't. I don't think any um, promoted uh, promoted side would have been able to sign Jao Moutinho at the point of promotion and for such a cheap fee as well because I think they only paid about four million quid for him which is insane insanely cheap but it's kind of a quid pro quo thing isn't it whereby where the club gets the club gets the benefit of of uh, George Mendes's stable of players but obviously at any given moment he's liable to move them on as we've seen with um, Diogo Jota who's obviously gone to Liverpool for reasonably big money um, and I mean, to be fair, has slotted in seamlessly there. He start, started superbly, and I, th- I actually think Wolves. I mean, you look at Wolves' goal scored column. I think Jota's a big miss for them. They've they've obviously gone and spent big themselves on a couple of um, a couple of sort of young replacements, but they're not going to they're not necessarily going to have the same impact immediately. They're gonna they're gonna probably take a year or two to bed in and 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 become first team regulars. So in the meantime you've got Pedence who's who's kind of been in and out a little bit. Pedro Neto of course who played well against us last season. And obviously Jimenez is, is still around. I mean I'm amazed that he's still there. He he's the one that I would that I would have fully expected to have got got this sort of huge money deal somewhere. But I guess circumstances have dictated that only only sort of two or three clubs have actually spent any proper money this year really yeah and Glenn looking at them as I mentioned they've only scored eight goals but they've only let nine in and uh, if you look at their last six games they've the, the three games out of the last six they've won they've kept clean sheets and all of those so whilst they're not scoring loads and loads of goals famous last words going forward they are still a tough nut to crack at the back yeah, it's going to be one of those games where you you look at it and that that record of scored eight, conceded nine, that it, it kind of tells you that the game is going to be very tight and it's it, you just don't want to be making any mistakes because if you do go a goal or two goals behind, then it's going to be very difficult to get it back. They'll they'll be a, they'll be a tough tough team to break down. It still worries me that Adama Traore, even though he's done nothing this season really, um, he's the sort of player that gives us problems, a bit like Michael Antonio does for for West Ham. That sort of very fast, very strong um, sort of forward-going player seem, seems to give us a few problems. So he worries me a little bit. But other than him, I think it's another game that we, we can go into. And with our, our known way of playing away from home, we, we can be quite confident of getting some sort of result out of it. Yeah. When you look at their sort of striking options, Dan, obviously Raul Jimenez uh, very much stands out. You look at those eight goals, he scored four of them. So... When you, you think about their main threats, Glenn's sort of touched on Adama Traore there, who's been in and out of the side, but do you think it's almost a case of stop Raul Jimenez and you stop Wolves, or do you think there's more to it than that? I think last season I certainly would have said there's a lot more to it. Um, you know, Steve's already mentioned Diogo Jota, you know, how influential he was in that team and look how well he's doing since he moved to Liverpool. This season, you could possibly argue that they are fairly reliant on Jimenez. Um, it's obviously interesting what's going on with Traore, because, I mean, last season, you know, you almost couldn't get enough of Traore. Everyone was kind of loving him and 
you know, everyone was talking about how big his biceps were every other week. Um, whereas now, you know, he just finds himself on the bench, which I, there was a piece on The Athletic, I think, that there's almost some sort of sort of contract standoff. So, you know, like you say, he tends to do quite well against Southampton. So let's hope he sort of stays on the on the bench. But, like, you know, it's hard to kind of add much more than what Steve's already said about them going forward. Obviously, Neto, he's young. He's still still got, you know, time to sort of get used to the Premier League. They've obviously got Pedence. But, yeah, Jimenez is the main guy. But I, I wouldn't be confident enough to say stop him and you stop Wolves because they've still got, like, Ruben Neves. You know, they, they're just a quality side, aren't they? They've got, you know, great individual players. So I'd like to think it's as simple as stop Jimenez and Saints will be hot, like home and dry. Um, but I, I don't think that will be the case. They do seem to have gone a little bit more defensive this season, though. So, you know, we were talking about Neves. Last year, it was Neves and Moutinho in the centre of midfield. But Moutinho has found himself on the bench a lot of the time this season. And it's been sort of Neves and Dendonka in there. Now, Dendonka's a kind of, he's a better version of Eric Dyer, basically. He's a, <laughs> he's a centre-back or, you know, he's a centre-back or, a, you know, a very defensive midfield player. He doesn't offer a, a great deal going forward. He scores the odd goals arriving in the box for headers and stuff, but they do seem to be a little bit more defensively minded this season. So, and maybe that's borne out in the, um, you know, in the uh, in the goals for and goals against we were talking about earlier. Indeed, I still uh, love watching, uh, particularly when Adama Traoré is coming on. He obviously gets one of the uh, coaching staff to cover him in baby oil, doesn't he? Because then it stops defenders grabbing hold of him. I think that's the reason behind it, isn't it? But uh, yeah, he, he comes on with, uh, as you say, Dan, bulging biceps and sort of, uh, you know, uh, very uh, wet looking skin and all that sort of thing. But Did, uh, didn't he once say he did, he doesn't work? out in the gym I think he did what yeah yeah. a bit, a bit no, like not, me I don't work out in the gym but yeah, <laughs> yeah <so no. laughs> well you will need to now you've got your body uh, body fat me- uh, measurements Glenn but uh, yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> um, focusing on Saints record then Glenn um, we drew one all up there last year but uh, lost at home despite leading 2-0 at half time typical Saints of course um, actually when you look at our record at Molyneux it isn't too bad four wins four draws and two defeats in our last ten visits there dating all the way back to 1981 of course all of us will remember Saganowski saw on the hat-trick when we won 6-0 and I'll take the words out of Steve's mouth it was incredible that we won 6-0 that day because I think they were about the only six chances we had um, and of course sure, we won yeah pretty much and uh, um, I remember going up there one year when uh, Lundervan scored his first goal for Saints we won 4-1 I think Henri Kamara scored for them that day and of course he ended up playing for us but uh, when you look at our record Glenn long and short room for optimism yeah I think so it, it's it's like any other club outside of the top six you yeah, sort of the big six. You can't call them the top six now because two of them are rubbish. Well, so they're halfway down the league. <laughs> <laughs> so the big, the big six. Um, you know, you, you you go away to these grounds, and 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 I think the the key is to just you know don't don't be negative. Don't don't play for a draw. Go for a win, and you never know. You're more likely to get one. And I don't really see that there's any reason we should go into this game with any sort of. Uh, inferiority complex especially this season so just go there yeah our record our record there is good and whilst I don't um I never sort of set too much store in records over the last since 1980 or whatever but um you know it, it's it's a ground we can certainly go to and uh, and get something from but equally if we you know it's it's a ground where if we don't if we don't play well we'll get beat it's as simple as that mm. And I mentioned at the start of the piece Steve it's a, a crucial run of games now for Saints uh, I mentioned to Ralph on the uh, in the press conference on Friday, we played eight in nine weeks up till now. We're now going to play eight in five weeks, so it's a lot busier. Important that obviously Saints keep that momentum going and make the most of this good start to the season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the fact that we had, we've basically had only one midweek game since the start of the season, which was obviously the uh, Brentford Cup game, has allowed us to get everybody sharp and focused on the system. 
Um, so now when we've got the games coming a little bit more thick and fast, we already know what we're doing. And you can spend you can spend what little time that you've got between games working on um, specific plans for certain oppositions. So I think having got ourselves kind of to a, to kind of where we want ourselves to be, really, I think. I think we're I think we're in good shape going going into this. I mean, obviously you'd, you'd rather we had our top scorer and best striker available for for all the games, but we are we are where we are, and and we've already shown in, in the one in the one game without him that we can we still create chances and we can still score score those chances. So I think yeah, I think it's a tough run of games, obviously, but age old cliche. But there's uh, there's no easy game at this level um, apart apart from Newcastle at home. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I mentioned uh, I caught up with Ralph during the week and asked whether, due to the games now coming swiftly and therefore potentially having players with more tired minds and uh, bodies, he'd now potentially have to change his management approach towards the squad at all. Here's what he had to say. No, definitely not, because we showed last season that especially over Christmas we had our most successful time and there was a very busy schedule, I think. But no, um, the good thing is the more automatism you have and the better you get on the ball, and I think this was the biggest development so far since the beginning of the season that we've shown also in possession that we that we are very much are much more economic in our game. Uh, the only game we haven't had it in the second half was against Aston Villa because it was a new situation for us being four up. We don't want to take any risk. We learned from this, and against Newcastle, it was much better. It was much more controlled in the second half. Even if you are only one up, we had better situations in possession. And yeah, we see this progress. We see a higher uh, possession-based uh, game, and and this helps us, I'm sure, also in this very busy upcoming time. Wolves have obviously finished seventh in their two campaigns since they came back to the Premier League. They obviously had a really good run in the Europa League last season as well. Do you kind of look at them as a, a good sort of benchmark or model of where you want to get this Saints side to in the not-too-distant future? Definitely did a very good job. I think uh, invested also some money, um, I think more than we did in this time, definitely. But uh, did an amazing job. Sure, it can be, can be also for, for smaller clubs like we are a, a good role model for what is possible. But I think they are still steps ahead of us because, uh, yeah, longer in their progress. We want to show up how far we are now and show ourselves, if possible, how to, to win against this team. And this is the goal for the weekend. Team news-wise then, Dan, uh, apart from Ings, as Steve uh, mentioned before, Ralph spoke there, Saints look like they'll be relatively full strength given Bertrand's return, etc. How important do you think the extra time with Ralph and, and the sort of recovery time from internationals and things like that will be? Because obviously, as everyone will know, the game shifted pretty much from a Saturday to a Monday. So 48 hours, not only for him to kind of work with them, but for the likes of Jan Bednarek and players like that to sort of, you know, have a little bit of recovery time as well. Yeah, re- really important. And, you know, you were on the press conference and I think, you know, Ralph made that point a couple of times, didn't he, that he's so happy that the game's on Monday because he was saying that, you know, some of his internationals only returned on Friday. Um, which is when the press conference was and then that you know there's two days now that he can spend I'm sure they won't train heavily on the sort of Saturday and Sunday and then into Wolves which I think makes you know makes such a big difference as opposed to them coming back on Friday then playing on maybe Sunday or or Saturday so of course that's only going to benefit him um, I'm sure he already knows what team it's going to pick I think the team picks itself at the moment so yeah it's, it's like like the guy said apart from Danny Ings being missing I think we all know who's going to be playing where and where they're going to 
So it, it like I said, they're playing so well at the moment. You don't change. You're not going to change too much. And I think if Ralph can pick all the players that sort of played against Newcastle, he'll be picking them again with obviously Bertrand to come back in. Yeah. Just finally, Steve, before we do our predictions, um, I know there's lots of this touch and go around Connor Cody I think we probably all know that he's going to play he's obviously been uh, self-isolating I think and uh, from what Nuno uh, said in the press conference at the end of last week he hadn't been training with the team and a bit like Stuart Armstrong after that Scottish situation he wasn't able to come back straight away do you think you you know Ralph um, alluded to the fact that obviously a bit like Newcastle Wolves play three at the back etc so do you think Theo did enough in that Newcastle game that he would probably keep him up top alongside Shea and sort of keep that partnership going with uh, probably Gineppo left wing or would you change it slightly um, I think I would probably go with Theo down the down the middle again, just to retain sort of a bit of continuity. I would I would imagine they've probably worked quite heavily on that during the international break because most of the players weren't weren't away. Obviously, the likes of obviously Gineppo was away, so he wouldn't have he wouldn't have had an awful lot of um, training with the team. So as a result, I don't think he's going to be. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought that Walcott would be sort of moving moving positions. I would. I wouldn't have said. I think. I mean, as as I think we said after the uh, after the Newcastle game, I think Walcott's runs as a centre forward don't quite work properly. I think uh, certainly he was making too many sort of straight runs that were that were quite easy to defend against. Um, whereas when he plays as a kind of sort of more withdrawn or slightly wider. Um, player, I think he's more effective. Um, so I wonder whether we might tweak it slightly so that Adams is kind of more of a sort of central focal point on his own, and Walcott kind of almost plays as a sort of num- almost a number ten really, and can kind of attack it from from a sort of slightly wider angle. Because I think, as I say, there were there were moments in that Newcastle game where we we broke well, and it was kind of let down by Theo not quite running into the right place. But I mean, he's he's obviously had had two weeks to work on that, and they'll have I'm sure they're I'm sure they'll have picked up on it and and identified that as something to work on. So I think realistically, as Dan says, I think Bertrand in for in for Stevens, and assuming assuming he and Warprouse are both fit, then we then we go with that. Yeah. All right, let's go with some uh, predictions for Wolves versus uh, Saints. Then Glenn, top in the charts, obviously. Let's. Uh, and of course, it was your birthday, so that's the reason uh, I'm doing it mainly. <laughs> but uh, what do you reckon for the Wolves versus Saints game uh, tomorrow Ooh. today? Would depend on when you're listening. Um, yeah, just just to say, I reckon Redmond will start ahead of Gineppo, as Gineppo's been away. But um, uh, what should I say? Is that your prediction? Then? No. Well, yeah, that's one of them. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna be optimistic again and go for a two one win. Two one win, brilliant. All right, Dan, what do you reckon? Two all draw. Two all draw. All right, Desmond, Steve. Ooh, yeah, I don't see there being that many goals in in this one. Um, I think, yeah, cagey one, and um, basically depends on on whether the goals in the first or the second half. If it's the first half, I think we win. Um, if it's the second half, we probably lose. Um, so I'll go. F- I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go optimistic. I'm gonna go for a one nil win. 1-0 win, brilliant, alright uh, obviously in true style, I'm going to go for a 1-0 win as well, to Wolves of course um, anyway, just before we move on to our International Supporters Club Glenn, um, the other piece of news from this week which was uh, quite significant was Oriol Romeo of course signing a very well deserved new two and a half year contract on Thursday keeping at Saints until 2023 um, pleased to see that confirmed as he's certainly become a crucial part of Hazenhutl's side since Project Restart yeah, he has, and it's it's absolutely deserved. I think there was a time last season when he dropped out of the team, and everyone knew he sort of just had a year to go. Where 
people were wondering whether he, you know, whether he'd just be let go um, this summer. But uh, once um, Hoiberg decided to leave and, and he got in the side, he's he's more than deserved to stay in there. I think that the key is, is that, uh, well, how old is he? 28, 29 years now. Yeah, 29. He's proof that you can improve no matter how old you are because he he has improved massively over the last year or so because it was always a case of when he came into the team instead of usually Hoiberg that his his passing wasn't as quick so he'd get caught with the ball and the, the just the whole pace of the game would slow down but since project restart and the start of this season he's he's been moving the ball a lot quicker um I think he's I think he, I can remember him getting caught with the ball once perhaps but he, he has he has sort of massively improved he's not lost the edge to his game i sort of wonder how the contract negotiations went whether he two-footed martin Simmons' door <laughs> or anything like that but he would have um, got yellow if he did yeah probably but uh, <laughs> but no he, he's he, he seems to be a really really good character as well and ralph's ralph's made reference to his sort of professionalism and how how that um hopefully rubs off on some of the uh some of the less professional uh, members of the squad. Um, yeah, it does appear that we have one or two of those, certainly amongst some of the younger boys. But uh, so hopefully it can. Uh, it's good. For, it's good for him, and it can only be good for the club. So yeah, well deserved. I, mean, I like players like that as well. They're a bit of a throwback who aren't frightened to throw themselves into challenges. I think it's a it's a good thing to have around. I think you're spot on. And uh, yeah, Dan, just to get your view, because obviously you've seen a, a fair bit of him. I uh, I wrote a reflection uh, piece on totalsaints.co.uk earlier this week, so uh, check it out if you haven't read it yet. Not you, Dan, the listeners. I mean, um, I'm sure it doesn't uh, come anywhere near the work that you do. But uh, some of the stats that I wrote down, Dan, pre-Wolves, 198 appearances, 14,615 minutes he's played for Saints in all competitions, according to Transfer Market. Six goals, 55 yellows, a time of writing, no reds, incredibly. More importantly, Dan, 100 percenter. <laughs> Look, I'm going to have a just, just before. Oh we no, start, you don't like him. I can tell where this is going. No, oh no, no, no. I love Oriol. Um, this is just a, a shameless plug. So when I was off, I had obviously 10, 10, 12 days off from the Athletic. I um, did a sit, well, a Zoom sit down with Oriol. I spent you know just over an hour interviewing him, and that piece is coming out this week. So it's timed quite nicely with his contract and. You know, I remember when we did that, you know, the patrons only event and, you know, I was asked who my sort of favourite interviewees were or who I really enjoyed talking to. And I forgot to mention Oriol. Glenn's already mentioned his character. He is, his character is second to none uh, at that football club. And not because I'm writing or going to be writing a big piece on him this week, but because, you know, we've had this piece in the pipeline for a little while. It was just a case of, you know, trying to sit down with him and find the right time. And then the international break proved to be that. This season, out of all the Southampton players, he has been my favourite player to watch. Um, I think he's in such good form. Sometimes, you know, he just looks like he's two, two, three moves ahead of the other players. I mean, there was a, a move in the Everton game where, you know, he picks the ball up inside his, the Southampton's penalty area. He's got three Everton players, like, all swarming him. And he manages to get past them, feed the ball forward, uh, counter-attack. You know, he's just so calm and composed on the ball. And when he's playing well, he really is playing well. And it, like one of the things that, you know, I mentioned with Oriol was just look at the managers this guy's like he's worked under. Luis Enrique, Pep Guardiola, Jose Mourinho, Koeman, Ronald Koeman, Benitez, yep. Benitez, Pellegrino, you know, Roberto Di Matteo, <laughs> Mark Hughes, <laughs> Andre Villas-Boas. But, you know, you know. <laughs> It's, it's a phenomenal, you know, the, 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 there's some bloody good managers on that list. And again, on the professionalism side, it's very cliche for 
you know, he's the first one out on the training pitch, but he genuinely is the first one out on the training pitch waiting for the other guys. He's just that kind of guy. You know, how many midfielders with the experience he's got at the age would go knocking on their manager's door when they're fourth choice and say, look, Ralph, can I go and play for the under 23s? I just want to go and play some football. You know, that to me speaks volumes about him. So you couldn't be more wrong. I'm a big, big Oriole fan. Yeah, you are Oriole Romeo Pajamas. And I hope, you know, I hope it was more a case of Martin going to knock on Oriole's door and two foot in the door open saying, (laughs) please sign this contract. (laughs) Um, Steve, just finally to get your view, because I think it's always good to get everyone's view on this. Um, Yeah, I I think it's Glenn made a really good point, and I wrote about it in that brief piece as well is he, he's no longer sort of slowing the play down getting the ball and looking backwards and sideways Ralph has turned him into this player and we've seen it with his goal against West Brom and his strike that hit the crossbar against Newcastle things like that he's now much more positive going forward and 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 you know certainly not pulling the team back he's kind of helping driving them forward it makes a huge difference and yeah I mean I would I, mean, I freely admit that probably this time last year if you'd said to me where do you what do you think will have be happening with Oral Romeo in in the next 12 months I said well chances are I think we'll we'll sign someone to replace him in the summer mm. well we were talking about Harrison Reed potentially weren't we coming back in, in in the summer and maybe playing in a midfield role yeah potentially and I mean fair play to him I mean it, it does it does go to show that um, actually you can teach an old dog new tricks because a lot of the stuff that we're seeing now from Oriel is stuff is things that we've not seen from him before and I don't think he's he ever showed. Um, I mean, obviously he didn't didn't really get much game time at Chelsea, but in his in his time there, he didn't really didn't really pull up any trees, and certainly wasn't seen as as any sort of attacking threat. And now all all of a sudden he's he's become this all round all round midfielder, and it's I kind of liken him a little bit to to what's happened with Jordan Henderson at Liverpool. Henderson signed for Liverpool, and there was there was obviously this sort of big hoo-ha. Oh, they've spent 15 million quid on a guy who can barely pass the ball five yards. Oh, but he's good at pointing. And all of a sudden, over over the last three or four years under under Jurgen Klopp, the style of Henderson's game has changed completely. In that he's now he's now also very sort of very much more positive in the way that he plays the game. Um, he's not just a destroyer. He'll he'll um, start plays and, and get involved in the attacking side of things as well. And Romeo has done exactly the same. And so obviously the natural conclusion is that t- in two years' time, Oriol Romeo is going to be um, lifting the Champions League for Saints. Yes, I like that. It's a, that was a, a well-rounded story there, Steve. Yeah, it's funny, actually. I'm still chuckling here about the fact that you don't see Mitchell Pellegrino and Mark Hughes on the list of managers he's worked under. But there we go. Anyway, it's time for our latest TSP International Supporters Club now. As having travelled west and south previously, we go north. Total Saints Podcasts. International Supporters Club. Okay, it's time for our third TSP International Supporters Club of the season now as we catch up with Saints supporters around the globe understanding and sharing their stories following our club. We've already been to South America and to the Balkans. Now it's time to head for the Arctic Circle and Norway. Yes, Jermund Vik from the Norwegian Saints Supporters Club is with us. The Norwegian Supporters Club was formed in 1990 and is one of our oldest global fan bases. Jermund, welcome to the podcast. Lovely to have you with us. How are you keeping? All good, Ben. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're we're uh, hanging in there. Uh, pandemics uh, annoying, uh, denying us traveling, but uh, we're doing fine. Good, good to hear, and uh, very much uh, appreciate you joining. Um, briefly, tell us a little bit about yourself in terms of 
following Saints Germond and uh, whereabouts you're based in Norway and how you got into following them originally? Uh, yeah, that's that's uh, uh, a couple of questions in there. Uh, originally, uh, my father and my older brother were Spurs fans, right. so I have I used to get the question every time I'm over. Uh, don't have a good answer. Uh, <laughs> must have been faith because I have no other uh, explanation. And once you've selected your team, there's no way back, and uh, still no regrets. So good. Uh, long may be. Um, uh, I'm based uh, in western parts of uh, uh, of uh, Norway, just south of Bergen. Um, uh, otherwise, the, the supporters uh, of Southampton are, of course, based uh, all around Norway, from the northern parts to to Oslo, and yeah, pretty much all over. Yeah, yeah. And I've started uh, following Southampton in late 80s uh, when the Wallace and the, the Letizias and the Sharers and the Rideouts and yeah as I said there was no uh, no reason for not supporting them fair enough so yeah. it's the same colours as the Norway flag maybe that's what it was Yermund but uh, um, <laughs> um, and we were just be. yeah and we were just talking there and I, I yeah, obviously just to sort of mention it so you're good friends with uh, one of our club legends of the last uh, sort of few decades Klaus Lundetvam yeah so you know Klaus well yeah uh, Klaus is a friend. Uh, I met him first time. I think I met him uh, over in Southampton, uh, one of my first trips. And uh, and for the latter years, when he retired and moved back to to western parts of Norway, we've uh, we've been in touch and uh, seen quite a quite a lot to each other. So yeah, he's a good friend. Mm, brilliant. In terms of sort of travelling to to watch Saints, and I know you uh, you mentioned to me there again, you you try to get over as much as you can. So. Any sort of favourite visits to the Dell or St Mary's to watch Saints that stick in the mind? Uh, l- luckily, I was uh, was able to uh, start travelling uh, when we still played at uh, at the Dell, mm. so I have a have a couple of games there. Uh, but maybe maybe my uh, favourite uh, w- one of my favourite games was early uh, when I travelled with uh, twelve Liverpool fans uh, to Anfield, uh, sitting in the cop. We were at the pub just before the game. Um, usually, you you put a put a uh, ten pounds on the end result and first goal scorer, and there was two nils and three nils and four nils for Liverpool, of course. And I said, one two, uh, Brett Ormrod first goal scorer, <laughs> and uh, and as we all know, uh, after two minutes, uh, Ormrod just ran through one nil. Uh, Mikael Svensson uh, doubled the lead before Heskey. And put one back, so so I got the the three points, the correct score and the correct uh, first goal score. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. I, I had the bear was on me that night, <laughs> so that was a good memory. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, plenty of games, uh, as I said, uh, uh, St Mary's and and quite a few at the Dell as well. Yeah, no, excellent. All right, great. And what about the the current team, uh, Yemen? In terms of Ralph's squad, who do you enjoy watching out in the Saint show at the moment? Uh, there, uh, as as the group develops, who do you not uh, enjoy watching? Uh, personally, I I love the the comeback of Yannick Westergaard. Mm. Uh, he was he was a laughing stock for just upon the Burnley game this season. Mm. He he wasn't a player, uh, just not good enough for a Premier League team. Uh, and he's looked like a million dollars from that game and now. So long may that continue. Mm. And you just feel like he deserves that. Uh, I always had a soft spot for Jack Stevens as well. Uh, Walker Peters, 
his close control dribblings, uh, Armstrong always going forward. Mm. And of course, Danny Ings, Ward Prowse is, is top class yeah. players, really. Uh, they, they burst on the, the, the national uh, scene and, and they, they look like a million dollars as well. Mm. So it's a team really settling in and you have the Romeos, the Adams. Yeah, they're quite a good team. Now. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And, um, Tell us a bit about your Saints supporters group up then. Uh, I mentioned it started obviously in 1990, so it's been around quite a while. But how many sort of people are, are Saints fans are in it and how often do you get a chance to catch up? I'm sure the pandemic's played a part in that recently, but as a whole? Yeah, um, as, as you mentioned, it started back in the 1990. 90, um, I was the editor uh, that was before the internet, uh, and then we went online, of course, like uh, most uh, groups do. Um, and nowadays, on the on the website, we're I think 150 uh, members, mm. not all that, uh, as active as others, but uh, we're quite uh, quite a fun group. Uh, and we had our first real trip back in, in November December last season uh, when we watched the Watford game and. Norwich game, oh, yeah, both yeah. Uh, crucial 2-1 victories. <laughs> uh, fantastic. We were uh, close to 20 people. Some of them have never been there before. Uh, we were at the Dell. Uh, we had a guided tour. We met Joe Tessam. Yeah. Uh, some of us even had uh, the, the pleasure to take penalties at halftime in, in the Norwich game. So, uh, Did you score, Yemen? I'm, I still have a 100% record, yes. <laughs> Tammy Saint uh, yeah. had no chance. A modern-day Ricky uh, Lambert, he, eh? Never missed. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No, so, so, uh, and, of course, this season we had some web meetings via Teams where mm-hmm. we discussed the season, the, the expectations, and, uh, and so on and so on. Uh, so that's a kind of new thing uh, the pandemic has made us do mm. um, and the the other uh, thing we, we usually have each summer is in Norway there is enormous interest of English uh, football as you mm. as you well know uh, and there is a supporters cup in Oslo right. uh, uh, where we play uh, and meet supporters of other teams and have uh, uh, have a few beers and the, just a good a good weekend uh, so that's a that's an annual thing yeah and then we used to have um, both English friends Former players, uh, Klaus has been with us uh, this summer. Uh, both uh, Matt Oakley and, and Nicky Banger was. We had both tickets for them, so so it's, it's a real shame it got cancelled this summer. Yeah. But hopefully next year it's all going so much better. Yeah. When we spoke to Francisco down in Argentina, obviously he had a slightly different uh, sort of geography. Meant getting up early in the morning to watch games and things like that. I suppose being in Norway, one hour ahead. Uh, is not the end of the world, German. So there's a, a good chance to sort of uh, get together at a reasonable hour. And you mentioned, obviously, there'll be a lot of, I'm sure, Manchester United fans over there now because of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and things like that. So is it quite hard to attract new Saints fans or do you tend to sort of pick them up because of the journey we've been on the last few years? Uh, they're popping uh, up from all around. Some younger, some older. Uh, they just... Uh, don't know we've been around or been on Facebook or whatever. Uh, so, but of course, uh, if if you buy uh, uh, Erling Brød Hollands or the uh, these type of players, you would have a massive uh, yeah. uh, number of new uh, Southampton fans. So, but I reckon that won't be easy. <laughs> and we're um, recording in, in the international break ahead of the Wolves game. But what's the sort of general feeling within the 
the Norwegian supporters club there about Saints at the moment, sort of on and off the pitch? Then the, the general feeling, of course, I think it's the same as Southampton. Uh, it's 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 all good. Mm. Uh, Ralph has turned things around. The opinions was a bit uh, divided uh, on him, of course, at the back of the the horrible result we all know. But uh, now we're all on the uh, Ralph Express, uh, <laughs> and and long may it continue. Yeah. yeah. So so the the mood and the the feeling is, of course, um, better than for years. Uh, we have a, a thin squad, of course. Uh, so if we're lucky, we might be a real surprise package. Mm. Oh, that said, it's not really a surprise because, as you, of course, know, Ben, for the last 12 months after the, the horrific result, only City and Liverpool has taken more points than us. So we've been good for uh, uh, quite a long period. So it's not a fluke. Yeah. Uh, so th- there's no reason why it shouldn't uh, go further either so fingers crossed yeah indeed and what what about the the sort of coverage and the the content the the club provider i think you know it's well renowned uh worldwide that they're um one of the best media teams around of course we saw that with the uh stop the count tweet last week that's gone uh, i don't know if you can go <laughs> platinum viral but i think it's done that but uh, i'm sure gordon and the team will be delighted um but yeah from a norwegian point of view does that i suppose really sort of help to give you a bit of a sense and and really you know get you guys involved in knowing what's going on at Stapleford and st mary's and just because you are the other side of the north sea to speak you, you can still feel part of the club yeah for that question, I, I just kind of asked the, the the fellow supporters: Is is there something we're missing? Something that could be done more of? What do we, as as uh, uh, fans abroad, and mm. uh, and and as you said, social media teams are uh, geniuses. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so you you would always want more of the content uh, they're providing. Mm. Uh, and and as you, as you said, the the pandemics has taught us new ways of interacting uh, and maybe could also be easier or uh, I seem to remember early in the lockdowns there was meeting with uh, some players, uh, I think it was Kenzie Benali or something, even you you could say could there have been set up a teams meeting with a player, uh, Ralph there's a brilliant possibility of thinking in uh, in new ways uh, these days so I don't think that would uh, hurt either Ralph or other supporters. Yeah, so in sort any of way. engage with you more as a as a supporters club yeah. and potentially yeah, just have a, a sort of one-on-one chat or something like that. Yeah, mm. you could have gotten questions in foreign and yeah, just, just something else. And of course, uh, we all know Staplewood is kind of a Fort Knox, uh, <laughs> of course. So so you can't have people wandering around there uh, all the time, but. But if there's one uh, organized trip, for example, yeah. uh, as we had, it sh- should maybe have been possible to, to get the odd uh, look behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, well, I know you're Saints fans, we don't like to get too ahead of ourselves, Jermund, but what do you think Saints no. can achieve this season now? It's, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, as you said, it's uh, you won't be too cocky, but, <laughs> but it's looking good. It's a, it's a good squad. We're vulnerable, uh, centre mid. Mm. Uh, of course, Danny Ings, uh, luckily, uh, just seemed like a, a minor uh, injury. But if they're all fit and firing, the other teams will struggle or lose points. I don't see why, a reason why we can't be top six, as I said, looking behind us when we've been this good for, for 12 months mm. and we're still developing. So Europe... 
starting to to look like a possibility. No, I think that's a realistic shout. Hopefully we can uh, achieve that. Um, just finally then, Jermund, if there's any Saints fans listening uh, up in Scandinavia that are a Norwegian and have started following Saints, or they, they're Saints fans that have exiled and now living in Norway and are fancy being part of the Norwegian group and they're not already, how can uh, people find you in that part of the world? You mentioned being online and things like that. So have you got Facebook groups or Twitter profiles or anything like that? Where can people find you? Uh, everything we do uh, on Facebook. Yeah, that's uh, where uh, this thing's easier to arrange, and where we, as I said, arrange uh, teams meetings and and information of the uh, of trips over or whatever. So Facebook is a spot to look for fellow Norwegian saints. Yeah, there is quite a few, and as I said, we've uh, I've been over uh, 30, 40 times maybe since I started traveling. I've also made a, uh, a great deal of, uh, of English friends, with, uh, which we've had over for visiting Norway as well. So, mm. yeah, even the locals in Southampton is uh, top class. <laughs> there we go. Well, Jermund, it's been an absolute pleasure having you join us to chat Norway and uh, Saints. It's great to hear uh, so much passion. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. And we obviously wish you and Andre and everyone else in the Norwegian Saints all the best. Um, keep up the great work. and obviously representing saints up there in the arctic circle yeah thanks for having uh, having us and uh, hopefully we'll uh, see you again uh, in and around st mary's ben hi guys i'm danny ings and you're listening to total saints podcast a big thanks again to Jermund for joining us this week. To clarify 100%, the Norwegian Saints group can be found on Facebook under southampton.no, so southampton.no. Otherwise, thanks as always to Steve, Glenn and the Athletics' Dan Sheldon. We'll be back within the next seven days discussing Wolves and or the Manchester United game at St Mary's. For our TSP patrons, don't forget our next TSP VIP event will take place next Saturday, the 28th of November. I've sent out the invite for all of you, 10 a.m. UK time, because we're trying to look after uh, our Far Eastern patrons this time around. So 10 o'clock UK time on Saturday, the 28th of November. Hopefully you can join us. As always, look forward to uh, welcoming as many of you as can make it. Right, let's leave it there. Thank you for listening to TSP. Hopefully Saints get another positive result at Wolves. We wish our North American listeners a very happy Thanksgiving. Have a good week, everyone, whatever happens at Molyneux. And, of course, keep marching in. Sport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116 123. 
That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.